when you first made it to the WNBA, who's the first person to bust your ass? When I first made it to the WNBA, who was the first person? Jennifer Gillum. Jennifer Gillum. She's a sleeper. Mississippi. Killer. It oftentimes are the sleepers. Yeah. So she gave you work. Well, you know, like Jen, she wasn't really a sleeper. It was just she was old school. You know, she spent so many, so much time like overseas. So she came, you know, when she came back, like there were so many just kind of like, you know, women's basketball greats, but they hadn't been at home playing in front of everybody. Yeah. But Jennifer had this like slow motion fall away. It was just hard for anybody to guard. So it wasn't necessarily the buckets. It was just that it was one of those shots, like a Kareem hook shot right. that you just couldn't get to, you know? Couldn't stop. Couldn't stop it. Yo, 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 we live on location. Staying at home, though. Me and the blackest one here in Orlando, and we got the very, very special guest. This is this is women's basket. This is basketball royalty. Forget royalty, just women's. This is basketball royalty in general. We got the all-time great, Hall of Fame, legendary Tina Thompson in the building, and now coaching at University of Virginia. Y'all young girls need to go run up on them. Inglewood, Morningside. Yeah. Why you decide to go to Morningside? Was this well, you know, like I'm originally from Los Angeles, like born and raised. So Inglewood was it's was far a little bit, you know, yeah. you know, from where I grew up. But um I actually was supposed to go to Palisades High School because it was the high school that was kind of like, you know, sister or brother to my junior high school. But um education wise, it was amazing. Mm. But I went there for the first practice. It was kind of like a tryout. And, you know, the coach was like, Tina, you don't have to try out. Just kind of show up because they kind of knew who I was. And we're like, L.A. Palisades is in Brentwood. Right. right you know, right. so I didn't know what to expect. And I showed up to the first practice and like half of the chicks trying out had on jean shorts Daisy Dukes. Oh, wow. LA, we wear these flip-flops, you know, they're kind of like, you know, a beachy, like, rainbow. They're called rainbow flip-flops. Like, they had on flip-flops and jean shorts and, like, baby tees. And I was like, what is going on here? I went home. I left. Now, mind you, I missed the bus because I was being bussed out there. So I actually had to take public transportation home. I was like, Mom, we got to do something. And that was it, you know, like one of my uh, family friends made some calls and made the connection. And then, you know, by the next week I was going to Morningside. So they had Sandals and Daisy Dukes on actually like, on the court. Daisy Dukes. Well, they were all just out there like socializing. And I was just thinking like, is this the basketball tryouts? You know, I like walked up like this can't be, I, I must be in the wrong place. <laughs> right. <laughs> for sure. Basketball tryouts. Like, yeah, this is this is not for me. So when you got the foresight, like, what was it like? Like, did they have a history? Or like was it a history well, that you I, know about before them? 
Yeah, well, I didn't know it because I'm from L.A. And, you know, if you're from L.A., you're from L.A., especially when you're younger. If you're from Inglewood, you're from Inglewood. Yeah. If you're from yeah. Compton, you're com- you don't start, like, moving and mixing until you get a little older. Um, but I just heard that they had a good basketball team. So anything other than what I had and um, just girls who can play and just were serious about basketball. But then when I got there, I realized the history. Um Lisa Leslie went there. Nice. Byron Scott, Inglewood, you know, Morningside, um, Eldon Campbell, you know, okay. so it was like some serious basketball players that went there and they were just good in sports in general. I mean, it was just kind of one of those predominantly um, people of color. <laughs> right. Yeah. High school, you uh, know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, there was melanin everywhere. Yes. Um, and I mean, it was just talent. So it was a good environment to be in. It was just a little bit tougher than I was used to. Mm-hmm. So that was an adjustment. When when did you start like making some noise where you was getting offers from college? Like what year was that when you was like, oh, you like one of the best girls in California? So it actually kind of happened like right away. So at the time when I was in um, junior high school in LA, our junior high school still went to the ninth grade. So you finally got somebody who had somebody who has that in common with him. I've never heard of that. I've yeah, never heard of that. The ninth grade. So elementary school was from kindergarten to sixth grade, yep. and junior high school seventh and ninth, and oh, high school. No. Never yeah. heard of it. Absolutely. So I was still in junior high school, and then when I went to Morningside, I started in the tenth grade. I didn't realize until I was in like Inglewood School District that people were going to school to high school in the ninth grade. Yeah. So. Um, you know, I kind of stepped on campus and they had a rich basketball, women's basketball history or just sports history in general. And um, I started getting letters, but I didn't know it. Like I was a basketball player just because I loved it. Like my brother played it, the guys in our neighborhood, like uh, David Fisdale, I consider a brother. Coach my Fizz, that's my yeah, man. Like best friends. So like we grew up walking to the park, staying there all day, all night and leaving. And I was influenced by them. So it's just what I did. You know, it's what I did every single day. So when I got to high school, I wasn't thinking scholarship. I knew I was going to college. I wanted to go to Harvard. Like, that was my Mm. goal. And um, I was getting all these letters, but my coach never gave them to me. Ah, yeah, one of those coaches. He thought, yeah, like I was going to get the big head or something like that, where I was clueless. So one day he was just like, you know, you're so focused. I think that you've earned this. So he comes out with these boxes and I'm like, what is that? And he's like, these letters are for for you. And I'm like, from who? (laughs) Colleges, like they want you to go to their school. And I was like, what? So he takes me home with all these boxes and we take them in, you know, to my house. And my mom is kind of like, what's going on? I'm like, mom. Coach God just told me that there's letters in these boxes and colleges want me to come to their school and that they're going to pay for it for free. So me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope there's one in there from Harvard. Of course it wasn't, but um, (laughs) (laughs) it was everybody else. Oh, that's, that's dope. So, so so how did you, how did, how did that process begin for you and you, you get to the point where, where you decide to go to, to SC? How did that, how did that process play out for you? 
Well, I mean, I was I was one of those girls, like, I'm a Cali girl, like, through and through. I'm like, I'm never leaving California. Like, <laughs> I'm not leaving anywhere else. Like, there's no place in the world that I would want to live. Of course, you grow up. But right. so for me, the thought process is that I was going to stay on the, the West Coast and um, realizing that, you know, I could play basketball at Harvard, but I would have to pay for it because they didn't get scholarships. And then there's all these opportunities for a scholarship and going to school right. for free is like, okay, Harvard's off the table. <laughs> so I was then, um, my number one school was Stanford. Mm. Because to me, it was like Ivy League level, you know, private school, uh, just education wise off the chart. And they were very good, just rich basketball history for women's basketball as well. So I was like, okay, Stanford it is. So the whole entire time, you know, everyone else didn't know it, but I was like, I'm going to Stanford. Um, so I just kind of go through the recruiting process and um, SC is now recruiting me and I just fell in love like with the coaching staff like coach Stanley like um, she was just kind of one of those like real like old school coaches like she was honest she was one of the few people probably the only in the process that didn't promise me anything. Mm. She wasn't telling me, oh, you're so great. You could do this. You can come in. You could do this. You know, offering me stuff that was illegal. Like, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't any of that. She was just real. Like, this is what I believe you can do, but it's up to you. And yeah. I, was like, I like her. She now, speaks it, to my person. It's you funny know? how us athletes love to hear that. Like, well, not all, but like a lot of us love to hear like, hey, it's gonna, you got to work for it or it's going to be a challenge. We don't want to hear that it's just going to be laid out for us. So I love to hear that. Oh, if you're a real one, yeah, that's what you want to hear for sure. So the, when you get there and, you know, now you're in college, now you got freedom to kind of, <laughs> you know, be on campus and no parents around and stuff. Like, how was that to play them four years under the coach and be at USC and be at home? Well, it was good. I mean, just because of just like my family dynamic, like I'm one of five kids. And um, so my mom and my dad, like it was, we were all like close and we all played sports. So we were used to kind of just being around each other and connected. So then being able to come to my games, like that was yeah. great. I mean, I would go home quite a bit, especially um, in my freshman year, yeah. um, you know, have somebody come get me or like there were even times <laughs> where I would like catch the bus home just because, you know, I just miss being around my little brother and sister and just kind of being in that environment. But it was good. I mean, I was, was easy like I was a super nerd so I didn't get in any trouble I went to class every single day every <laughs> single day my teammates would be like dude like you could miss one day there had to be an issue if I missed a day so I had to be sick or we were like traveling for basketball I mean it was just like I didn't want to miss anything you know that's just kind of how like my brain works like I have to know the why I have to have an understanding because I feel like if I know the why if I get it then you know I could be my best the best version of myself and whatever it is that I'm doing so um I didn't want to miss anything that's dope the team wise, them four years with the team, the teams that y'all had, like, how did you feel you, you did? Like, would they feel like y'all got better to like every year? Oh, well, for my freshman year, we were good. Lisa actually went to USC too. Right. So yeah. we both went to Morningside and we didn't play there together. 
but then we played one year together at USC and we were good. Like our high low, like two men right. in the game was crazy. Like we yeah. were killing people. And, you know, as Lisa, you know, you know, Lisa, like she is, she's a worker. Like, you know, she wants to be the best version of herself, like as well. So it was competitive. And I probably, I believe that I grew the most in my freshman year, just because mm -hmm. our competitive nature. So even though we started together, every day in practice we played against each other yeah so, so we, she like said she was the bar for you she was the bar for you yeah i mean well in a sense i guess kind of in that level but like i play with dudes so like for me right like, right, right i'm like you got a double team me. no girl I'm gonna kick that me. guard me yeah like <laughs> yeah, i don't no play with dudes. like that difference between the two like grew up playing with guys so from that perspective i mean i wasn't necessarily a talker but like i knew like you have to send two if you're trying to play me with just one chick it's a problem <laughs> so you know it was good you know lisa and i had the both like mindset from just the same mindset from a competitive nature so we battled every single day so we made each other better yeah so yeah. her leaving it was kind of like i didn't have that anymore so i was instantly put into a leadership role so i even went home even more <laughs> just so i could play like with my at my park like with my guys i would even play noontime hoops with the staff the faculty right. staff at USC. So like the men would come and play like coaches in the athletic department. So I would actually go and play noontime hoops with them before practice, just so that I could get like that kind of like extra like push. So you was really, you really was a, was a, was a gym rat out here. You was a hooper hooper going and yeah. finding a run, whether it's guys, girls, whatever you, wherever the bump at, you was trying to find it. Oh, always with dudes. I never went to an open <laughs> run with chicks. Like <laughs> that. It just wasn't like, you know, it wasn't a it part didn't do of it for you, huh? Yeah, it just wasn't. I mean, it it probably would have been fun, but it was like I wasn't looking for fun. You know, at that time it wasn't there the WNBA wasn't there. So the only thing I I didn't want to go overseas because I wanted to go to law school. So the only thing, the highest thing for me was to be an Olympian. And to me, I'm like, you know, like Olympians just don't go and just play just for fun. Like we find fun in it, but we're playing for the competition. So yeah. that was just kind of what I was seeking like all the time. When you when you would go play against some guys that that it in the beginning, was it like ah uh, like kind of laughing, taking it easy on you, and then once you start really showing you could hoop, did it did it turn from that to them really going at you? At my park, it wasn't like that because they kind of like grew me, you know, like I grew up around them. Um, there was a couple times where I went to other parks because in LA, there were like runs everywhere where like some guys tried to like disrespect me a little bit. <laughs> right. And, you know, there was only one time I went by myself and like this guy, like he just went at me, like elbowed me in the face. And I was kind of like, okay. So then, you know, of course, your level of competition just starts like, you know, it, it, it just goes to another level. And I just started killing him, elbowing him back. And then he called <laughs> me out of my name. So I'm like, OK, but I'm by myself. So I was like, all right. So you guys have these runs how many times a week? Right. Like, when is that right here? And he's like, oh, it is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to come back. You got to come back. But the, the next weekend I came back with my brother. Yeah. 
and dude was in there, and I was like, that's him right there. <laughs> we know how that went. So we, my brother was like, Playboy, let me holler at you. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm not going to talk to you crazy. That's not what I do. I don't get in arguments with men or anything like that. Like, I'm not getting in a fight with a man. But, yeah, I'm going to send those people after you. So yeah. we'll see but, you soon. But that, that tells, like, like, your game. Like, one of the favorite things I like you do on your game, you your back to the basket, your turnaround jumper, your fadeaway, like – that's can tell, like you know, when dudes pressing you, you put that hip on them, like yeah. oh, hold up, slow up. <laughs> you know, it's it's so funny. Like every aspect of my game comes from playing with guys because I wasn't like the tallest. You know, I wasn't yeah. like the strongest. Like I was always overpowered in some way, so I had to be tricky. So I mean, if you pay attention, like sometimes, like most times, I do hella moves like, <laughs> like you know i'm like the dream shake the up and under i'm in you with the step yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, definitely like pivot game strong <laughs> so yeah. it was like i watched the game in that way so i just stole from so many people yeah. like i love dream i watched dreams game like crazy i love i mean i grew up in la so i'm a showtime laker diehard so worthy was my guy so you know i'm stealing from you know all these different you know guys and their games and kind of like what they did i mean kiki vanderway like i could just kind of go down the line of like different moves you know that um i just kind of stole from people like over time to just kind of add to my arsenal because it was necessary. Oh, okay, yo, 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 these young these young kids probably have no clue, but Kiki Vanderway was one of the illest people in the triple threat you will ever see. D, do you remember that summer we worked out with him for like a week? Like, Tana, before we even moved, we did a million moves without taking a dribble, just from the pivot. Without taking a pill, it was pivot, it was insane. He he is a mad scientist in the pivoting and with the little intricacies of the game. Like he was so detailed, we were just sitting there like, bro, we ain't dribbled yet. <laughs> like, so, crazy, absolutely. I kind of had it in my game, but just not with the 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 like the same precision that I had like when I became a professional. But one of my really good friends is James Posey. And uh, JP and I would be in the gym. We were in Houston together. JP was living there. He actually wasn't playing there at the time, but he was living in Houston. And we would um, work out at Westside Tennis Club all the time. It was our practice facility at the time. And uh, we would just be in there like working. And Jay, like he came to our games. So he was like, you know, I want to show you something. Like you do the kiki, but like, just your footwork, like you have a negative step, like you bringing it back, like you need to like come at him like right away. Mm-hmm. So he showed it to me a couple times and I'm like, got it, you know? <laughs> so after that, you know, it was like perfected and I just used it kind of in that way. And he had spent some time with Kiki, so he kind of like knew it. I was like, okay. I mean, I was just really blessed to just have all these people around my journey that just contributed, you know, to just like my ultimate just growth you know and just how i grew it was yeah i'm just crazy blessed just the people that i've you know run into straight up straight up. so uh you hear it's gonna be a wnba and you hear they <laughs> finna bring 
the best <laughs> of the best from back right. from overseas and everything. So now it's it's somewhere to go after <laughs> after college. Like, how did you feel when you heard it's going to be a women's league and and like you're going to be able to play against the best of the best, all the legends and all the people that you used to hear about that was good. They're going to be in this league. So how was that? It was, I mean, it was cool. Like uh, there was a little excitement for me about it, but I told you guys in the beginning, I was like a super nerd. <laughs> so I did my history. I mean, like I did my research, you know, and just checked the history. And I was kind of like, I don't know about this, right. you know, women's uh, professional leagues in America just had not been ex successful. There had been so many attempts and so many failures. I was like, I don't know. You know, the fact that the NBA is behind it, then, you know, that gives it a chance. But I'm just, you know, not sure. So I just kind of went about just, you know, my way. Like I was graduating that year. I had already started taking classes. Um, for to take the a Kaplan classes to take the LSAT. So it was, you know, me kind of moving on with life, you know, like as planned. And then I got a call from Renee Brown. She was the um, second in command, the director of ops for the WNBA um, while I was in my Kaplan's class. So again, you know, <laughs> we didn't really have like all these, you know, modes we can turn our phone onto, you know, like at that time. So my phone like is ringing. So I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like I'm panicking. I'm embarrassed. Like everybody who knows me knows where I am right now. They would not be calling me. So I got out and then I, I listened to the message and it was Renee and she was kind of, you know, telling me that they would wanted me to come to the WNBA. So I was like, wow, I listened to it probably five, six times, like, this is crazy. Um, and so, you know, I went home, I told my mom, I went to school the next day, and uh, Keyshawn Johnson was at USC at that time, mm. and he was one of my good friends, and he had just gotten drafted, so he had an agent and all that kind of stuff, so I was just kind of asking him about it, picking his brain, and he set me up with my first agent. That was his agent at the time, and we just started having conversations with him. So the first initial conversation, they told me how much money they were offering me, and I told Jerome Stanley, who was uh, my agent, absolutely not. <laughs> and I left his office in Beverly Hills, and I didn't come back. He was like, Tina, like, did you really just leave? I said, absolutely. It's like, do you know that money that they just offered me? Like, I could get food stamps in California. <laughs> like, I would be below that's, the poverty line. That like, is crazy. Absolutely not. I said, no. I'm like, um, you know, the path that I'm on right now is where I need to be. So, you know, he called me a few times and I was like, Jerome, do not call me back unless they are serious. I am not. No, I'm not doing that. I've worked too hard. This plan has been in place for years now. Yeah. I was a little kid. Like, I'm not changing. And um, Jerome did his work, and they changed. I mean, literally, they went from offering me $30,000 to, like, 10 times as much. And, you know, the ABL, I don't know if you guys are how familiar you are with that, but the ABL had started before the WNBA. So there were two leagues. Right, I remember. WNBA in the summer, but the ABL started in the winter. And they were offering me like $600,000. So I'm like, you offered me $30,000? I'm like, That's are you crazy. Serious? I think it literally was like 34. It was like less than $35,000. <sighs> 
I absolutely mm. cannot do that. So I, like, it's for three months. I'm like, so what? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Let me ask you this. How did that, like, for us, I mean, obviously us and the whole world, we had the 92 Dream Team with, with Michael, Magic, and Bird. How did the how did the '96 team with the WNBA women how did how did that how did that impact you? Oh, it set the tone. I mean, I think that any women's basketball player, if you were a for real player, you were tuned in. Right. You know, I, I mean, we were up. too. Yeah, I was waking was up. Yeah, the dream. Yeah, and <laughs> I was waking up in the middle of the night, like wow, like they are. I mean. I was on the journey with them, you know, yeah. I was like watching the specials and stuff like that. Like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like they are changing how people see our game. You know, of course there were some, you know, universities that had like a, a huge following and stuff like that, but just the game as a whole, they just changed how everybody just kind of looked at our game because they were, sweeping people yeah. like it was amazing <laughs> and just the individuality and just all the different stories like it just made in my opinion it just gave us a very personal connection you know to the rest of the world and just people like saw us different so that those guys changed the game yeah the, the just like we watched the dream team like you know just so much talent you've never seen all the women, like a whole all-star team, just killing like that behind the back pass. It's like the right. chemistry, how they were playing to get the dominant. And it was how so they dominating. Too. Like, that was just like sure it was. amazing like <laughs> to see that. And it seemed like for the women's game, they have a dream team every time they go to the Olympics. They have. <laughs> oh, we do. Man. We do. Like dream team every year. It'd be like, man, they got all the hits. <laughs> Like every time they go to a living, they got all of them. It's it's like it on the women's side, and I'm not saying that it's not like this on the men, but just because that is all we had, like that was the top, you know, like representing your country and just having a connection to basketball in the US, there is a commitment and like a sacrifice and a love that everybody has about being a part of it. You know, for the guys, like they had a choice, you know, they had the NBA and, you know, they're getting paid, you know, money that lasts a lifetime, like in a way that they didn't have to play in USA basketball. For us, it was, you know, the NBA, like in a sense, it was kind of like the pinnacle of, you know, what you do from a career perspective. So just the commitment to just the the national team program that we have is just it, it's crazy like the sacrifice by all these world-class players it is just a camaraderie that you just don't get in in a lot of things and actually was, was the olympic team the first time you've been on a team where everybody on the team is one of them dogs like 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 everybody well, on the team is just that good. Was that the first time? Because you played with so many. No, men. I played with comets. That's like, what no, I was about to say. Like, now in H Town, she. Yeah, I'm talking about, but from top to bottom, you know, you. Had oh no, no, from top to bottom, it was just that people didn't know them, but like okay. we had like players on our team that were, you know, the focus was myself, Cheryl, Cheryl and Cynthia, but Jeanette Arcane was cold. I mean, yeah, like probably if not. Other than Mark, she is the best Brazilian player that has ever yeah. played the game. Jeanette Arcane was the best 
individual player on our, our team. Hmm. I know hmm. that, that sounds crazy to say. <laughs> Myself, Cynthia, and Cheryl, she was the best individual player on our team because she could do everything. She played from the one to the four on our team. So if we went small, like I was playing the five and yeah. Jeff was playing the four. And then you had <laughs> Cheryl, Cynthia, and Ken, right? She showed skinny playing the four. Skinny yeah. the four. <laughs> yeah. And then she would play the one. Like she played yeah. the one on our team. And then she played the two and the three. Like she played every position with the exception of like playing the five. And just individually, she was... I mean, not that Cheryl and Cynthia and myself like weren't, you know, that kind of goes without saying, but she was unguardable. It was, we had done, we would do these tours and we would go to like different countries and play like these club teams um, in the off season. And we went to Brazil and um, Jeanette was every club team that we played, they were inviting her to come and play for their team. <laughs> so she played for her home team and then she played for everybody else. Every single guard on our all WNBA team tried to guard her, and she probably averaged 50. <laughs> now, we won, but not one person to stop her. Teresa Weatherspoon, I think she did the best job, but she Teaspoon. probably had 35 of the 50. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. So so cool. so so how how was that though playing with that with that Comets team when you came in and, and winning winning championships championships and being basically and finally leaving L.A. and going to Houston. It, it, I know. And then <laughs> well, just being like for the for the for the longest it was like y'all were the standard in the in the W. Everybody was like yeah. nobody else gonna win. The Rockets just you know yeah. they just win win win. It was like nobody not the Rockets. I'm sorry the Comets y'all. It was like y'all were the standard. How was that being a part of that? Well, it was the funny thing about that is that we knew that we were really good before anybody else know that, knew that we were good. So in that first year, we weren't even predicted to make the playoffs. <laughs> so they didn't crazy. pick us to be in the playoffs. So that was kind of, you know, Coop, if you guys know Coop, she <laughs> is that I mean, she forever has a chip on her shoulder, you know, like she does not. <laughs> at all like to be disrespected and she just assumes that you're going to be that you're going to disrespect her so how she comes at you is so hard at all times it's just kind of who she is it's you know just one of those characteristics just the beauty of who she is she's just that competitive um and the other people that we had we had tammy jackson we had wanda guyton we had uh amaya valdemoro she was you know, a player from Spain, one of their best, like, young players. We had Elena Chikova. Like, we had all these players that were so good from where they were and um, from their country, and people just didn't know. Like, the other players in the WNBA did because they played against them, but, like, the world, the audience didn't know. Didn't know. So we knew that we were good. We knew that we were really good. And it's a credit to Carol Dawson. He was the president of the Houston Rockets. He picked that team. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, his basketball mind is unbelievable. Like he picked our team, including me, from like a box of tapes. So he just yeah. went through hours and hours and hours of tape and didn't know any of us, hadn't met us, had no idea who I was, and um, bless him, he told us, you know, 
this this is who we need to pick. Dan Chancellor yeah. wanted to uh, draft uh, Pam McGee. She was one of the McGee sisters who right. went to yeah. USC with Cheryl Miller. He wanted to draft her, and uh, Les was like, "No, you know where we're." Or Carol CD was like, "We're going with Tina." So yeah. that's how I became the number one pick. But it was just one of those things where um, just the attitude of everybody when you talk about just kind of being a dog, like they were the best from where they came from. So their attitude was, you know, we win. Like, that's what I do. And everyone just kind of fell, you know, in line. We didn't have Cheryl in that first year because she was having her son, Jordan. She was pregnant. So it was just me, Cynthia and Jeanette and Kim. And we just kind of went to work. Like when you have Cynthia kind of leading you, like uh, just your attitude and your mindset is different. Like I thought that I was a killer and didn't really <laughs> know that there was kind of like another level to it. Um, but she just had another level in her. So when I think for me, like other than Shell Miller, because I think the Shell Miller is the greatest bas- women's basketball player of all time. Agreed. Um, easy call. Like, no conversation. Uh-huh. Um, Cynthia was the one player where I was like, I can follow her lead. I wasn't raising the roof, but her work yeah. ethic was crazy. I had I hadn't seen anything like it. When I seen y'all three kind of form together when when uh soups came back and so forth, phone, it was like because a lot of the women starting that league, you know, you didn't hear too much about too many of them. You heard about mm-hmm. the few. So when you start doing your research and trying to find out, because you're loving the game, trying to find out who, who's who, when we when y'all start playing together, it was like, y'all start winning them champs. It was like, man, how did they let all three of them be on the same, right. team, yeah. the same time? They win everything. <laughs> let me tell you. I seriously think that, you know, just people, I think it's just being like, people being like just sleepers. People, they're like sleeping on you. I literally think that um, I have been like, uh, just, I'm I'm a serial sleeper. Like for some reason, like people just think that they could just like sleep. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like, yeah, you know, she's good, but you know, her hair is too neat. Her ponytail is too neat. She wears lipstick. Like, it, it can't be that serious, you know? Like, just the mindset. And then, you know, Cynthia, I mean, I maybe because I was from L.A., like, I heard the rumblings about kind of what she was doing overseas. Like, I didn't see it, but I knew. And I'm like, I knew. And I'm not kind of like in, you know, the basketball. Like, no, you know, just because I was over here, like in my own lane. But just for some reason, like people just didn't see it. Like Jeanette Arcane, if you watch the Olympics, she's like one of the players like leading that team. So how do you not pick her? So I just think that just people, they weren't students, like they weren't informed. And Carol Dawson, is a student of the game. Like he picked our entire team from a box of tapes. So he just yeah. watched everybody. It wasn't mm-hmm. just us in there. It was the yeah. whole league. Right. So he's going through all this film and he picks our team from a box of cassette tapes, VHS. It's crazy. Tell me how how um the 99 season when when you guys had to deal with the loss of your teammate Kim Perot. How how hard was that to, to overcome? And then how much did it mean to still win that championship? 
man, that is, um, I think other than, I think they're probably like the, I know that the biggest loss in my life before then was losing my grandmother, my mom's mother. Um, Kim, y'all gonna make me cry today. Um, <laughs> Kim, she, um, yeah, that that was literally one of the toughest moments in my life. Yeah, I can, I can remember that. Yeah. She was, yeah. um, she was like the glue to our team. Like we had, you know, big personalities. Like Cynthia and Cheryl had big personalities. Like it was a wonder why they were so good, you know, because they were just big, you know, they were stars. Like they were just bright and just kind of who they were. And, you know, Cynthia had to share when she was with Cheryl Miller, you know, like, but it's Cheryl Miller. You know what I mean? Like, so you don't say anything when you're on the team with Cheryl Miller, you know, but Cynthia went away and she, you know, proved herself and she turned herself into a player. And, you know, Cheryl had just come off of the 96, um, you know, Olympic team. And she had this whirlwind of like a college kind of career. And she was just killing, putting up incredible numbers. Both of them thought that I'm the girl. Cynthia's like, I'm the person, Mm -hmm. you know, and Cheryl's like, I'm the person. And I'm just looking at them like, Lord have mercy, like (laughs) grow up, you know, like you guys are too mature for this, you know? And, And it was just so funny. So Kim was the one person because her maturity level, like I personally didn't have the patience. I would let them go. And then I'd be like, Hey, like enough, you know, like, you know, we're not like, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not, I'm a guy's girl. So I'm not the girl that does like the chick stuff, you know? So it's just kind of like going back and forth. I'm like, I can't, you know? So Kim was the one, you know, she had the patience. Like she could go and like, hey, let me talk to you. You know, like, hey, you know, let me, let me talk to you. And then he, she'd be like, T, give him another chance. Like, you know, don't just, you know, don't just kind of like walk off and just be like, they need to grow up and, and not kind of like invest into the situation. So she was just that person that could communicate with everybody at any level and nobody take offense because where she did, how she did it, where it was coming from, it was no doubt that it was pure, you know, and she wanted to win. And she was just grateful to be in that circumstance with us. Now she earned it. But Kim was the only player on our team that was picked from the open tryouts. So they had this open tryouts where they brought, I think it was like 270 something players. Wow. They picked one player like out of that group. That's amazing. It was the smallest player, it was Kim. Like she fought her way, you know, just kind of through. I came at like the later, the latter part of it. And I was like, I don't know who she is. Like, she's small, but she's good. You know, and Coach <laughs> was like, you know, he was like, uh, no, she's too small. I don't like small guards. You know, he, he just he just didn't want her. And yeah. but she made him. She made right. him. She made him take her. And that was kind of all she wrote. And then to just kind of suddenly find out. And then it happened so fast. She went from being in practice to gone. Yeah. Um, and you know, just going to Mexico and all these different places, getting treatments, and you know, we were falling apart because we were emotionally. Now, when we stepped on the floor, it was business as usual. 
but off the floor, Cynthia, Kim was her best friend. You know, in that environment, she was a wreck. Cynthia was also going, her mom was sick as well. So we were just going through so much that, you know, competitive level of our practices were different because we were just emotionally drained. Right. Our reality before that was we knew that we were good because we felt like our practice every day were sometimes harder than the games we played. Mm. Yeah. So that was different for us. We were just not ourselves. But knowing that we were doing it for her, when the lights turned on, it was just like, you know, let's go to work. And then we'd walk off the floor. By the time we got to the locker room, I know me, crying, tears, you know, just so emotionally, mm. like, overwhelmed. Um, but we got through it. It was, it was hard. But you know, we figured it out. And then when we won the, our third one, I, I, if you look back at the pictures, like we're all just like bawling. No, I can, you know, I, I, just, I, I sat down on the it. floor and they were just like, get up. And I was like, I can't, like, I'm tired. Like, I'm just <laughs> tired, you know? And um, we finally, we just kind of got it together. And then um, not long after that, you know, she left us and it was just, not the same after that. Yeah. Game two. Uh, Liberty is coming back. Y'all going back and forth. <laughs> Y'all going back and forth. Uh, the shot before the big shot, you and Cynthia Cooper run screen and roll on the, on the wing. Yep. Give it to you. You come back, give it to you on the post. You turn off the backboard. Then Weatherspoon hit this. <laughs> this heave <laughs> of a shot. How did you feel like that game? And like, how was that for that game? Like to take off because the crowd was going crazy back and forth, and then it just you see her like face right now. You see her face right now. So, like this face is. <laughs> if you guys knew the story, so we are in a huddle. Like I make that shot out of a timeout. So yeah. we're going to our regular, me and Cynthia, like pick and roll, like our two-man game, right? Coop is like, if I come off, like, you know, set it, she didn't even have to say set a good screen. We run and see, like, it's the play that we run for years now, right? I'm like, I got you. I'm going to set the screen. You know, they play it a certain way. So we knew it was going to happen, like, either one or two ways. So come off. She comes to me. I'm like... It's not even a question. Like, either you're going to score or I'm going to score. Like, that's just how we work, right? I say before we leave the huddle, Cynthia, who do you have? Cheryl, who do you have? <laughs> we know who we have. We Everybody ran back. Yeah, cheering, <laughs> running back. So I'm running back, and I'm like, dude, you were supposed to pick her up. Like we weren't giving anybody clean shots. So I literally, you probably can't see it, but I scream at Cynthia, but she's, she's ready to play to the crowd. You know, she's already, <laughs> you know, like Cheryl wasn't even like that much of a dramatic like player, but she's jumping up and she's fist pumping and all this kind of stuff. So I leave my man to go back to try to like just get in block um, get in the way get in the way but when i looked at teresa's face i had before i turned around i had a feeling that it was going to go in 
because she looked too composed. She looked it. She looked like <laughs> it felt good. You right. know what I mean? So when she says now, you know, when she talks about it, I knew that it was going in. I feel it like I believe her because I saw it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I was pissed. <laughs> we the floor, we go to the locker room and, you know, I wasn't at that time since I've been a coach, I've changed it a little bit, but I, I didn't swear a lot. You know, so I don't swear at my that's, kids, that's, but I go into my office and I say a lot of cuss words. So I didn't really cuss. When I went into that locker room, I was letting them reel. I'm like, my my cousin, my my uncle, who's a cussing machine, my dad, like literally, I pulled from all of them. Like I was going crazy. Because in my mind, you guys know, I told you I'm Cali girl. I had already packed up my truck. It was on you know, like an 18-wheeler already going back to L.A. I had already shipped my boxes. Like, I was home. Right. So I was expecting to wrap this thing up and be home by Monday, you know? I had to change my flight because of <laughs> I was so angry. Now, of course, I knew we were going to come back and, like, win the next day. But just the fact that it didn't happen the way we were supposed to because they were cheering before it was time to cheer, I was pissed. (laughs) I was pissed. I'm still pissed right now. Yes. (laughs) We won. I'm mad because I'm like, dude, stop playing around. Like, don't cheer before it's time to cheer. Like, cheer when it's, you know, the buzzer sounds when the game is over. (laughs) I'm still mad at them. Anytime somebody brings it up, they'll be like, "Don't get her started." <laughs> That's just—I just remember that game, watching that game, just all the time, and just seeing that. And it was like it was so intense. Everybody into it, back and forth. They coming back, and it was like, "All right, it's over with." Screen and roll <laughs> with you and Coop. It's over with. You hit the jump. I'm like, "Yeah, it's over." With. They had. Then she hit that, and it was like, "Wow." It was. <laughs> They're like, "This is literally." The shot is everywhere. One of the greatest shots in yeah. history. <laughs> and I'm like, but they didn't win. You know, right. like that's the last <laughs> They, they still show this shot like they won that championship, huh? What? All the time. It is in everywhere. It's at the Hall of Fame. It's in the Naismith Hall of Fame. It is everywhere. <laughs> they show that shot every single year. There is not a WNBA season that passed that there's not a commercial or something like that Goodness or man. a game that happens that they don't show that shot. Forever <laughs> embedded in history. Let, let me ask you this. How was it for you when you when you when you had your when you had your son? And then had to go back to playing. Like how 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 hard and difficult was it for you to to go through that that experience and then have to get back in basketball shape? Um, it was oh, it was tough because that that was the only time in my life that I had ever been out of shape. So like I was one of those players that like even in the off season I still maintained a level of being in shape, so I didn't have to like get back in shape. But when I was having Dylan, I was like. I'm not doing anything. Right. Like I'm not where I'm not lifting nothing. Like I'm not even walking. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> so, um, but you know, he was really good to me. I didn't really gain very much weight. Like I, when I was like five months pregnant now story, not very many people know this. So I'm giving you guys like some inside information, <laughs> but I didn't know that I was pregnant until I was 
like a little past five months. Wow. Wow. So my <laughs> body was functioning normally. I'm not going to go into details. Right. You know, like I wasn't pregnant. So I didn't gain any weight. Like I had gained probably like five pounds, but you have to think that I played in the Olympics and I was pregnant. I finished the WNBA season and I was pregnant, not knowing that I was pregnant. So I went, you know, like three months, not, you know, knowing almost four months. And then after the season, um, I just wasn't feeling good. Like I just got, I just wasn't feeling good. My stomach was feeling really funny. So like I went to the doctor, Dylan's dad and I went to the doctor and I was just like my stomach, like something is not, you know, I was drinking ginger ale thinking that it was gonna, I wasn't a soda drinker. So my stomach just started going crazy. And then they do this ultrasound and all this kind of stuff. And they're like, do you think you could be pregnant? I mean, I was like, no, I mean, just because, <laughs> but you know, I have done stuff that <laughs> caught you pregnant, but <laughs> no, I shouldn't be because, you know, my girl's done that, you know, it's like, whatever. So they do this ultrasound, come back, and the doctor is like, I have good news and bad news. Like, which one do you want to hear first? And I'm like, give me the good news first. And he goes, well, the baby's fine. And he goes on such and such. So I'm like, the baby. <laughs> So then he's looking at, you know, like my face, like our faces. And he's like, wait a minute. I didn't know. Yes. So he just starts freaking out because of course he's seen the ultrasound. Like we can't, he's like, it's a real life baby in there. Like, you know, like we're not talking about a little, like it's a serious baby in there. But you guys, I had only gained, I was six pounds over like my actual, like, you know, playing weight. And, but it's because for me, I just, we just won the Olympics. We had this long season, long year. Like I was kind of like chilling. So I wasn't like, you know, you know, no big deal. It wasn't a big deal to me. I could still, you know, wear my clothes and everything. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, it wasn't, you know, I had That's no crazy. idea considering that life was going on as normal. So I freaked out. I panicked. Like we were in Miami. Like I, he said I couldn't fly for three days. Like I went home and, you know, I called my mom and it just, you know, we just kind of like start preparing. Like I was in a fog for probably the next month and a half, like two months. But, you know, it was just kind of one of those things where, you know, like you just make it happen. You know, you just kind of go with it. You just do what you're supposed to do, you know? And I had Dylan, I came back, I played that year. I had him May 12th. Um, I was back playing in the season by July. So I didn't do anything, but like, as soon as I was ready to play, it was probably about, you know, I waited six weeks and then it was another six weeks where I just grinded like every day I was doing two a days, just in the gym. Like my guys are Melvin Hunt, and Brent Johnson, they Mayo. were in man, Mel and BJ in the gym with me, like just working like we always did because it's what we did, you know, when I was Houston anyway. But and Mel was talking plenty crap. 
He was. You know, well, they used to play with us, which is crazy. Like, I remember when we came and worked out for Houston. He was in the, he, he was he yeah. was out there trying to do his little thing against you talking crap in the workout. Yeah. I said, get out of here, man. Yeah, BJ, they could play. I mean, they were players, but that staff was good. They were like our practice guys. So, um, you know, you just kind of like make it happen. Like for me, there was no doubt that I wasn't going to play. And, you know, my mom came, like, she was there, so she kind of helped me with Dylan in, like, those early months, so, um, you know, he wouldn't have to be out and things like that. And then once he was older, old enough, you know, we just, we rolled. I went overseas, took him with me, my mom came, and that's just how it was, you know, from that point on until Dylan was old enough. Like, we were a trio, so they went to road games, they (laughs) went wherever I went, and, you know, that was kind of like my crew, and we just made it happen. That's awesome. How was it like you leaving Houston somewhere where you can grow, you know, made friends, it's kind of home now and you get traded and go back home to LA to play for the women's professional team in your hometown. How was that experience? And to play with Lisa Leslie, a young Candace Parker, like a squad over there for you to come to and, and get down. So, well, I actually wasn't traded. Like what happened was, is that our franchise disbanded. So oh, like that was the year that the Houston Comets dissolved. Yeah, I remember. So that. Les didn't want to, you know, have a WNBA team anymore. Like the Rockets were kind of struggling, and we were like doing well, but the Rockets were their big business. So you know, he was just like he needs his entire staff to focus on the Rockets. So okay. he decided that he didn't want to do the Comets anymore, and then he sold the team. And, um, you know, he sold it to a guy that was very advantageous, but just could not um, just uphold, you know, the cost and everything to run our team. And um, they couldn't find someone to buy it in time. So the franchise basically folded. So I became a free agent. And for me, I mean, the reason why I went back home was because my grandmother was older, but she was a big fan and I wanted to be able to kind of give her the opportunity to see me play as as much as I could. It just brought her so much joy and I wanted to be home. You know, my grandmothers, like they were my girls. So I was really, really, really close to both of them. Um, So just being able to be home and go and see her as much as I could and, you know, Dylan be around her. I, um, I wanted Dylan to start school in Los Angeles. So it was perfect timing. I was even thinking about going home or retiring even before then. Um, I felt like him growing up in LA was important just because of the diversity. And, um, you know, when you grow up in an environment where you're around all types of people, like how you think, like how you judge people and your perspective is totally different, you know? So that was really important to me for him to be in a very diverse environment. And where we lived in Houston, it wasn't very diverse. Like where he would have gone to school, he would have been a minority. And you know, I didn't want that to be, you know, his experience. So, I mean, I chose L.A., more so because of personal reasons versus, you know, the basketball reasons. But, you know, it was great to be able to play with, you know, all-stars and future Hall of Famers, you know, because I believe Candace will for sure, can will be a Hall of Famer, like yeah. easy call. Yeah. Yeah. And how was Seattle? Because I was in that Northwest and it rained 300 out of six, 365 days. So how did Seattle treat you during that summer? It, it still rained, didn't it? 
Listen, Seattle <laughs> was amazing because people must... were great. What are you going to take you? I, I love Seattle. I love I, Seattle too, but it rains a lot. Not in the. I didn't love Seattle in 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 the winter, so we got out. Of <laughs> I remember the first year that I got that I got there. Yeah, the first year that I got there, it was raining in May, like every day. And for me, <laughs> being in Los Angeles, from growing up in Los Angeles and being in Houston, it's hot. You're yeah, wearing yeah. flops and tank tops and shorts, so I was just like. Like, how do they deal with this? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> like, it puts a cloud over you like a gloom. So when they were like, you know, people suffer from depression in this environment, <laughs> I got it. Because as soon as the, the sun came out, like, even we changed. You know, and I literally, they were <laughs> laughing at me. But, like, one day I came to practice and my teammates were like, you are, like, you know, your vibe is different, your energy. And I was like, dude, I think I was depressed for a couple months. <laughs> and they were like, you are not depressed. And I'm like, oh, seriously. Like, my whole household is different. It does, like, do something to you. But once the sun comes out in Seattle, it is beautiful. The people are beautiful. It was, my time there was my best professional experience as a whole. You know, yeah. we didn't win the way we won in Houston. We didn't have um, the same, you know, type of players that we had in Los Angeles. But um, from just a team perspective, it was the first time that I had been on a team where I had a relationship with everybody. Like, everybody was cool. Like, we could all, like, go out, you know, and hang out. And after a game, like, I could eat with, you know, go out to dinner with any combination of the players on my team. And not that I didn't like, you know, the players on my other team because I had great teammates. It was just like, we didn't have the same vibe. You know what I mean? And like, people, you know, you hang out with people that are kind of like you or, you know, you have this connectivity or chemistry. But, you know, that squad, they were just great people and just easygoing. And we did stuff together all the time. So me going to Seattle, it was tough to leave home. But me leaving, making the decision to leave because they wanted me to stay in L.A. And I thought that I was going to retire there. But Seattle worked out the best it was a great way to leave the game yeah tell me this you spoke on how when you first was going to be a the, you know the number one overall WNBA pick and they was trying to throw peanuts at you basically right, <laughs> right. and you walked out of the <laughs> office and was like I'm good tell me <laughs> tell me what you think about the progress being made in the, in the new CBA and, and the you know some of the upgrades they're trying to situate with the with the WNBA and I mean it's still a lot of work to be done but just with the work that they have achieved now like how do you feel about you know the the process and how it's played out so far um I think that that was a great move and everybody behind that did an incredible job it has it has legitimized you know the WNBA in a way that when you think about the money that um, the women are able to receive, it already makes them a professional without any question. Yeah. You know, when, you know, people look at your profession and have a level of respect, you know, about it, but sometimes based on the amount of money you make, and it, it doesn't necessarily mean like how good your job, how good you are at your job, but they consider you a professional, you know, by, you know, what your paycheck looks like. And I think that 
not only do they deserve it, but their gains, the product should be supported in that way. Like they have, we have earned it. So I was excited. I'm still excited about where they are now and the possible progress and just kind of moving from there. Like it's legitimate now, like it was, but it was cute. You know, <laughs> now it's, it's respectable. Absolutely. Did you, did you ever think starting in this league that you would lead the WNBA and scoring before you retire? Um, no, not at all. Like I didn't even think like that. So, you know, when people are like, how do you feel about that? Like, I don't feel any way. I, I know it sounds crazy, but I'm not surprised. You know, I'm like, if you know how much work that I put in, like, <laughs> I'm not surprised that like, you know, when I shot the ball, it went in. Like I was in there all day long, like shot yeah. after shot. So for me, it's like, it's supposed to go in. Like my reaction more so would be when I didn't make shots. I was more emotional at that. Um, just from the perspective of like records and accolades and stuff like that, I wanted to win. Um, I had no idea how many points that I scored and it didn't become a thing until they started talking about it. You know, I was in LA, so I knew that Lisa was, but I didn't know where I was, you know, in comparison, you know, to her. So when it started happening, you know, you know, people wanted like this reaction and I'm like, <laughs> okay, like it's cool. Like I, I need to get these points so that it's over so we can start focusing back, you know, on the game. And then, you know, it became a thing again because the person that actually surpassed me was Diana Taurasi, you know, and we're all California girls, you know, so it's just a really dope, you know, kind of connection. Like first it was Lisa and then it was myself and now Diana. And, you know, Diana is my girl, you know, if I had yeah. to pick a, a franchise, then, you know, she's, she's going to be my pick one A or one B. <laughs> like I rock with Diana because she is a dog and she's just yeah, like she a girl after my own heart. Like I love yeah. you. So I was totally excited for her, but you know, for me, it's kind of, you know, just par for the course. It happens if you, you're you're focused enough. You work hard enough, and you're there long enough. Because I was there for a long time. Yeah, seventeen. Yeah. Seventeen is long. When I when I was younger, uh, you know, when the WNBA came out, you know, me and my mom, we she really deep. She was a baseball player. She really deep into women's basketball and basketball because she supported me and so forth. So you know, when the WNBA came out, we picking our teams. So her team was the Comets, and she used to be like. My girl with the lipstick, yep. she on TV, so are you always going there and watching? What made you wear the lipstick in the game? And, and, and make it iconic the way you make did. Make it iconic. Right? You guys, it's so funny because, like, people will think, you know, and, like, you're in a league, like, with women, so, like, of course, girl stuff is going to happen. And, like, people would assume that I was wearing the lipstick because I was trying to be cute. And I'm like, that had absolutely nothing to do with it. Like me wearing the lipstick started when I was at USC. So um, again, I told you guys I was a nerd. So this is a very like nerd thing. But <laughs> I, um, you know, in my freshman year, in my first and second semester, I had 22 and 20 units, which is a crazy amount. A lot. <laughs> the average is 12. You know, like you could be eligible if you have 12, right? So... I had 20 and 22. Um, so, well, 22 in the first and 20 in the second. 
Cause I was just like four years. That's it. Remember I had a plan. Like I'm going to law school. Like <laughs> I can't stay here longer than I'm supposed to. So, um, I was rushing to our second exhibition game. So in the first exhibition game, I played okay, but I didn't play to my standards. So our second exhibition game we played and I'm rushing. Like I get to the gym, everybody's already there. Like some people are out there shooting already. So I get, you know, I'm putting my stuff on or whatever. I forgot to actually take off my lipstick. And we go into the game and I can't remember what teammate it was, but one of them was like, you know, you still have your lipstick on. So I was just like, it's too late now. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like little OCD. So I wasn't going to take it off out there because it's a matte lipstick. So some might still be on or not. So I just left it on. <laughs> and y'all, I was balling. Like I killed in that game. So like after the game, one of my teammates was like, dude, like, it must have been the lipstick. Like, <laughs> so I'm like, whatever. Because, you know, I'm not superstitious or just whatever. But, of course, in my mind, I was like, it must have been the lipstick. I ain't never taking it off. Every time. Never. So, you know, being a kid, you know, I'm like 18 years old. I'm like, this, this is, this is going to just be a part of my uniform. So from that moment on, like, I wore it. What color was it? Was it always one color or you switched up the colors? Here? Um... No, so initially it was, I don't know, it, it was kind of like a cheap brand. But then, <laughs> you guys know who uh, Maya Campbell is? She was From, the, um, in the, house. the little black actress that was, yes, in the house. In the house. So one of my, um, my uh, college girlfriends was uh, good friends with Maya because uh, Maya's mom, B.B. Moore Campbell, was an author, and my college girlfriend, her mom was a professor at USC. So they kind of knew each other and ran the same circles. So um, we were just out. We went to the Beverly Center or something crazy like that. And Maya was like, what lipstick is that? That's like my color. She was like, is that Mac? And I was like, girl, no. Like I'm broken, like in college. She was like, no, you have to wear Mac. Like it's the best, whatever. So we go into the Mac store in the Beverly Center and, you know, I get me, you know, the little pencil, whatever. And it became that. So, you know, if it wasn't for Maya Campbell, then I wouldn't be, I wouldn't wear, uh, I wouldn't be wearing that. <laughs> but it was um, Diva lips. The, the color was Diva. It's like a matte, li matte lipstick by Mac. <laughs> That's dope. So, so at what point did you did you feel or did you know like, hey, I I, I could be a coach, or, or when did you get bit by the coaching bug and think that this is something that I have a passion for to do? Oh, absolutely, did not. Like every single one of my friends were like, um, "Dude, how did you become a coach?" Because for me, it was like I would never ever ever coach when I was a player like all of my coaches would be like Tina you would be an amazing coach and I'm like mm-mm <laughs> you know I, I see you guys because you know <laughs> you guys know like your coaches like they are stressed out you know like they don't sleep and I'm already like not a I was already not like a good sleeper so I was just kind of like I don't want those kind of problems in my life and how they age you know, so like coaches yeah. ass, you know, from that stress, I was just like, mm -mm, mm -mm. so I retired me and Dylan, we were just at home. We were like chilling. We were traveling. We were, you know, going to LA. He was still being homeschooled at the time. And we were just kind of like living our best lives. And the head coach at Texas, 
um, had an opening. She, she called me. <laughs> the reason why she called me is because I started mentoring like this group of girls or a couple kids like in the Houston area because one of my friends was a trainer. So he was like, I have these kids and they're like really good to you. Can you just come by and just talk to them? So, you know, I did and, you know, and just kind of, they were like great kids. So it, it went from me just kind of mentoring them because, you know, he was the trainer to me actually being in the gym with them and um, just showing them like, just kind of how to like navigate through this game and just just little stuff like here and there perfecting their game. And, you know, one of the kids actually went to Texas. So she was, she became a McDonald's all American. Both of them were, and, um, she went to Texas. So the coach asked her parents, like, what's going on with Jordan? Like how, like she's improved, you know, like so fast, you know, she's using her left hand and just like little things. So the mom is like, oh, she's been working out with Tina Thompson. <laughs> so the coach is like, Tina Thompson, like how is she, you know, in the gym with Tina Thompson? So I, I, I guess they kind of discussed it to some extent. I don't know. I wasn't there. So she called me. I'm assuming that she was calling me to talk about Jordan. So she did. She talked about, you know, the kid. And then she said, um, you know, we have a position, you know, here, like on our staff. So she's kind of telling me about it. And I'm kind of like, mm -hmm, but like, why is she telling me this? <laughs> and so she goes, what do you think? So I go, oh, like I have like tons of like teammates that like want to get into coaching or whatever. So I can for sure like find somebody, you know, because I did not think at any point that she was offering me the job. So I said that and then she was kind of like quiet. So I'm like, hello, because I was in my truck, like we, and I, we were on Bluetooth and she was like, oh no, like I was offering you the job and I just bust out laughing. Like I, because I, just the shock of it or whatever. And she, she was kind of quiet again. And I just was like, okay, she didn't think that was funny. <laughs> So I go, I really appreciate that, but you know, no, like I'm newly retired and you know, I'm just not interested in, in coaching. And she just wouldn't stop calling me. <laughs> and I just said like, man, we'll try it, you know? And then I got there, hated it. Like it was the worst, like the, just the time, like in the office, it was so grueling, but I loved the kids and had a connection with them in such, in a very short period of time, um, they grew in ways that like they hadn't grown before. So that kind of, that bit me. And Travis Mays, who was the associate head coach at the time, Travis, he played in the league and he went to Texas, went to Texas. He got a head coaching job. So the kids were distraught and they look at me and they're like, Coach T, you can't leave. Please don't leave. You know, they're crying. And in my head, I'm thinking like, Travis, why didn't you tell me? Because I'm leaving too. <laughs> like, <laughs> but the kids are like, you know, <laughs> I was like, this is too much. You know, like I, this is not, it was literally more time consuming than when I was a professional athlete, you know, when I was a player. This is more than kind of I bargained for, but Amani, when I, before I got there, she was, she had already planned to go to business school and she had a job lined up. This kid is six foot six and she's an athlete. She didn't even want to go to the WNBA. She was that off of basketball. So I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, 
You're six foot six. Like, how many people looking like you do you see walking around? You can make a whole career out of this. Like, how do you just say, I don't want to do it? She's just like, I'm tired of basketball. My experience is this because she's really, really smart. I'm just, you know, I'm going to just dive into other, you know, you know, ventures and experiences, you know, and different aspects of my life. I'm like, girl, please, you're going to the WNBA. And she was like, you think I can go to the WNBA? I was like, follow me. We're going to get you there. Commit to this process. We got about six months. And I'm mm -hmm. telling you, yeah, you'll go. You'll be a lottery pick. She's like, what? I'm like, you'll be a lottery pick. She went 10. So, you know, it, it, it kind of worked out. And then after that, it just yeah. changed just kind of how the kids like looked at the game and what was like possible for them. And just being able to do that and you know change their lives or give them a certain kind of like hope that they didn't have before i was like i don't like this in the office side of it but like i love these kids and you know it would be a blessing to kind of be able to, to pour into them but the goal then was i need to run my own show because <laughs> you know i here i am head coaching now and you know i coach my kids the way i played and you know we have fun although we work are you know what's off, yeah. you know, and I'm growing their person, you know, not just their talent. And um, it, it's fun. A lot of work, but it's fun. How do, how do you feel about uh, it, like lately in college, it's been a lot of lot of lot more women being hired and also a lot more women of, you know, of, of color. And I love the fact that you like like I told Jerry Stackhouse this the other day that I love the fact that you as a as a former player, Played seventeen years, really did it at every level. One and you know you got you got things in your mind and, and that you experienced as a player that some normal coaches that didn't play the game at this high level you can relate in a different way. So I love seeing all of our former players, women and men, get back in the game at college and NBA levels and be able to you know really like you say really pour into them. You could you could love on them, you could be hard on them, and you know all the different things because you been in those seats so i salute that but how do you feel about the, the 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 uptick of all of the hiring and coaching i think that it's amazing i i think that it's necessary to have more coaches of color and leadership like in this game like we're coaching us you know yes. what i mean like why 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 not you know why is there not but you know i think with anything um in the world like evolution and things like have to happen a certain way in order for us to get to a certain point i love what um dawn staley is doing over at south, south carolina in her yeah. career she's in a position of leadership and she's setting a standard which i believe will continue to create opportunities i would urge more former players to get into to coaching. I know that it's a, a huge change like in lifestyle, yeah. but what you have to offer is amazing. It is one thing to be able to teach someone how to do something, but in teaching them how to do something, teaching it from a perspective of, I know this works because I did it and I yeah. did it well. So <laughs> I'm not teaching you something that I saw. I'm teaching you something that I did. I got one more question. What did it mean to you to be honored in the Hall of Fame? Probably might cry again. This is one of those <laughs> moments where it's like, never, ever, ever, ever in my life have I ever said 
you know, I want to be in the Naismith Hall of Fame. Like, it's just not something that you say. Like, I'm not even the person that says, I want to be an MVP or I want to be an all-star. Like, I don't talk like that. Like, the only thing that I wanted to be is I wanted to be an Olympian. And then it was like, I want to be the best player that I can be. So that was my goal, like being the best like version of myself. So when that happened, I was like, what? You know, so, you know, my circle, you know, they're like, T, like, what are you talking about? Like, this is inevitable. This is how it's supposed to be. Dude, I'm just thinking, I'm like. It's time. Kareem <laughs> is in the Hall of Fame. Right. Magic is my guy. Magic is in the Hall of Fame. And then I'm just going down. I'm like, the big O is in there. I, right. George Gervin is my guy. I, I Ice love. man. <laughs> I love. So I'm like, Ice man. Ice man. In there. Like, you know, you're just going. So in my head, I'm just thinking like, these are the people. I'm like, Alex English. I loved Alex English when I was a kid. You know, Jen, so I, for me, it's just like, Come on. Like, this just doesn't make like sense to me because I'm on the outside kind of looking in at these guys. I've watched them, you know, all my career. Like, I'm amazed at, you know, who they are and what they've done. And I'm thinking, like, even though I was a Showtime Laker fan, I'm like, Larry Bird was cold. You know, that team. (laughs) So it's just like, I couldn't stand him, but I respected him, you know. And then it's like, Michael, you just think. So I'm going to be hanging out with Michael Jordan in the Hall of Fame. So that's how my brain is just like going. Like, it's just so overwhelming. So even today, it has all happened. I've dressed up. I've done the speech. My family was there. I'm still like, oh, my goodness. I just can't. Yeah. It's overwhelming. (laughs) And it's going to take me time. Like, it's going to take me years. Because... It's, I just, I'm so grateful. (laughs) And, you know, when you look at the numbers, I guess it makes sense. But, you know, I didn't look at numbers. I looked at wins. You know what I mean? I just, at the end of the day, I always want to win. Whatever it is that I'm doing, you know, I want to win. I want to win at being the best mom. I want to win at being like everything that I do, I want to perfect it in a way that's something, you know, kind of beautiful or amazing like comes out of it. So, you know, that's kind of like, you know, my beautiful moment, like at the end of it, but it's still like, are you serious? Like, I cannot believe that this is, yeah, it's just crazy. So (laughs) uh, I am, I'm overwhelmed. Well, all right, man, that's been a wrap, man. This was this was super, super dope, legendary, Hall of Fame status. You know what I'm saying? And she came in here with the swaggy hat. We got to give you the award for the swaggiest appearance on the show thus far. That hat is fly. This was Tina Thompson, legendary Hall of Fame, and now head coach of the University of Virginia. Appreciate you for pulling up, Tina. This is special to us. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me. I think this is one of the best interviews that I've had ever. The Players Tribute.com.